Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 304th episode of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting across the world this week from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, California, where technology meets entertainment. Right behind me, you can see right across the west of Los Angeles and the city and the beaches, absolutely beautiful, a perfect day. It's also this week the um, 12th anniversary of my incredibly popular, surprisingly incredibly popular 1.7 million business executives who read my business newsletter every day. So it's been going for 12 months, so five a week by 50. We've done 250 of the bloody things. Takes a lot of work, so I hope you enjoy it. So thanks to everybody who listens to the radio program and reads the newsletter. Also, thanks for all your feedback, even though who tell me I'm an idiot. Um, I just hope you keep reading and listening, and keep keep sending off the um, the emails and Facebook and whatever. You can tell me I'm an idiot. I don't mind at all. I get a lot of emails and questions about the need for um, and the importance of personal branding. Now, I believe that personal branding is incredibly important for everyone, but particularly important for entrepreneurs and anybody who wants to get on in business. Branding is usually associated with companies and products and organisations, but today it's more and more important for individuals to establish a personal brand. For example, in my line of work, my personal brand is critical to my success. You know, we need people to think of Bob Pritchard when you think of business or marketing or speaking or whatever. We need them Bob Pritchard to come straight into the mind. So we actively cultivate the Bob Pritchard brand. And according to an AVG study, 92% of children under the age of two already have a digital footprint. In fact, due to our exposure through digital media, almost everybody already has the basis of their personal brand. And now, once you've got that basis, you can cultivate it and fashion it to provide a powerful force for your future. Or, don't do anything, let it form haphazardly. And what that does is allow your brand to be determined by others. And that is not a good idea. So the first step in building a personal brand is to think of yourself as a brand. What do you want people to associate with when they think of your name? When somebody thinks of Bob Pritchard, what do I want them to think about Bob Pritchard? You know, is there a certain subject matter in which you want to be perceived as an expert, like in my case, business? Or are there general qualities you want linked to your brand? Nice guy, approachable, always responsive to requests. They're the things that are important to me. Now, once you understand how you wish your brand to be perceived, 
you can start to be much more strategic about your personal brand. A strong personal brand can yield tremendous return on investment, whether you're working with an organization, leading one, or trying to establish yourself as an entrepreneur or a business leader of some sort. Secondly, you've got to audit your online presence. You can't mould perception of your brand without first understanding your current status. What do people think of you now? First, go Google yourself and set up alerts for your name on a regular basis. If you've got a fairly common name, then consider adding something to it, like David G. Smith instead of David Smith. Um, just something to differentiate yourself from the others to avoid confusion. Or uh, there's a very successful and talented friend of mine in the music business did. She added an objective, <laughs> adjective. She added an adjective and became Screaming Rachel Kane. She runs a very successful record company in Chicago, but she went from being Rachel Kane to screaming Rachel Kane, and when you see her, that's exactly what she looks like, and she's cultivated a phenomenal personal brand. So cultivating a strong personal brand is just as much about being responsive to what's being said as it is about creating intellectual property for yourself. Thirdly, to create a personal brand, you need to secure a personal website. Having a personal website for yourself is one of the best ways to rank for your name on the search engines. It doesn't need to be robust. It can be simple two or three page site with your resume. Link to your social platforms and a brief bio. You can always expand on the website over a period of time. And if you don't have a website, you lose a lot of credibility. When I get told somebody's name, the first thing I do is go and look for the website. The second thing I do is go to LinkedIn. So if you haven't developed a site, either a website or a LinkedIn site, you lose a huge amount of credibility. Fourthly, you've got to find ways to produce value. So don't use the the web to post utterly mundane or ridiculous crap. Find ways to add value to your audience by creating or curating content that's in line with what you want your brand to be. Fifthly, be purposeful in what you share. I mean, I look occasionally, I'm not a devotee of Facebook or whatever, but occasionally look at, at Facebook and it is full of the most unadulterated crap. And what do you think about those people? Not much. How many, how many um, Facebook posts do you see from Richard Branson or someone like that who says, this is what I had for dinner, isn't that lovely? Or this was my view when I went to the toilet this morning. You know, nobody gives a stuff about any of that. So every tweet you send, every status update you make, every picture you share, every one contributes to your personal brand. 
Now, your brand's an amalgamation of multiple daily actions. So once you understand how you want your brand to be perceived, you can start to be much more strategic about how and what you share or post, but don't just share rubbish. Sixth, you've got to associate with other strong brands. Your personal brand is strengthened or weakened by your connection to other brands. Find and leverage strong brands which can elevate your own personal brand. Start with the three C's, your company, college, and colleagues. Which college did you attend? Are there groups you can join? Is there an alumni newsletter you can contribute to? What hidden opportunities are available within your company which you have not yet tapped? Consider submitting a guest post to the company blog or look at other digital assets you connect to your brand. You have to build credibility all around you. The seventh thing you need to do to build a strong brand is to have a strong narrative. A strong personal brand is dependent on a strong narrative. In other words, what's your story? Take a second to link of celebrities you know who've got a strong personal brand. I mentioned one before, Richard Branson. You could say that Mark Cuban has got a strong personal brand. Martha Stewart's got a strong personal brand. They all have very clear story and a consistent brand. If you have multiple passions or areas of interest, a narrative becomes even more critical so that there can be a unified theme. Most importantly, remember that a strong personal brand should be ubiquitous and ever-evolving. You can readily stamp your mark on your segment of the market through a strong brand. So I don't know where I'd be if I hadn't built a personal brand. It's been absolutely critical to my business, and we keep pushing it out there. Um, So I recommend that you do too. And it's amazing, over 12 months, you can accumulate a hell of a lot and you can get a huge brand built in just 12 months. And 12 months sounds like a long time, but it isn't. Now, my second story today concerns predictions made by Bill Gates in 1999. That's nearly 20 years ago. And you might remember that 20 years ago, technology and digital revolution was in its infancy. So nearly 20 years ago, Bill Gates made 10 bold and at the time outrageous predictions. Have a a look at how accurate he was. His first prediction was price comparison sites. So Bill's prediction was automated price comparison services to find the cheapest product in all categories. Well now, Nearly 20 years later, you can search on Nextag and Price Grabber specifically to compare prices. His, his second prediction was mobile devices. Remember, this is eight years before the first iPhone. So eight years before the first iPhone, Bill Gates predicted that small devices will let you constantly stay in touch, check the news, check flights, get financial information, do business from wherever you are. 20 years later, Millie, 
We've got smartphones and smartwatches to do all of this. Gates' third prediction over 20, well, 20 years ago was instant payments, instant financing and better health care through the web. So 1999, Bill predicted that people will pay bills, manage their finances and communicate with their doctors over the internet. Fast forward to now and ZocDoc makes finding a doctor and scheduling easier. One Medical and Forward both offer monthly memberships for online and data-driven healthcare. And, of course, you can borrow money online through Lending Club and you can make payments very easily through PayPal and Venmo. Gates' fourth prediction was personal assistance and the Internet of Things. Nearly 20 years ago, Bill predicted that personal companions will sync all your devices and allow them to exchange data. The device will check your email or notifications and instantly present the information that you need. Now, Bill predicted this 15 years before Amazon Echo. Now, of course, it, smart devices like Nest collect data on your daily routines, automatically adjust your house's temperature. Voice-controlled devices like Amazon Echo and Google Home can read your mail to you or it can guide you through recipes as you cook. Gates' fifth prediction was online home monitoring 15 years before it happened. Bill predicted that constant video feeds of your home will become common, informing you when someone visits while you are not home. Fast forward 20 years and Dropcam's home surveillance camera, Ring smart doorbell camera, let you remotely see who's at your door even from 3,000 miles away. Gates' sixth prediction was social media. Bill predicted that private websites will allow you to chat, chat with friends and plan for events. This is five years before Facebook launched. Now, today, two billion people use Facebook and Snapchat, Instagram, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger and others that well and truly cover this prediction. Gates' seventh prediction was that animated personal promotional offers would be sent to you and Bill predicted that software that knows that you've booked a trip and can suggest activities, discounts, offers and cheaper prices at your destination would be commonplace and now Expedia and Kayak offer deals based on your past purchase data and annoyingly Google and Facebook offer promotional ads based on your location and interests. In 1999, nearly 20 years ago, Gates predicted live sports discussion sites. He predicted that TV sports will allow you to discuss the action and enter into relevant contests. Now, of course, Twitter is the clear leader and it is streaming some sports events and you can leave comments in real time on sites like ESPN. In 1999, Bill Gates predicted smart advertising, that devices will know your purchasing trends and will display advertisements tailored to your preferences. Today, of course, online advertising services target 
users based on your click history, your interests and your person person purchasing patterns. It's enough to drive you nuts. Bill's prediction number 10 was the concept of linking to sites during live TV. Bill said that television broadcast will include links to relevant websites and content that complemented what you were watching. Now, almost every commercial has a call out asking the viewer to go to a website, follow the business on Twitter, or scan a QR code to add it on Snapchat. Now, Bill also made predictions about online discussion boards, interest-based online sites, project management software, online recruiting, business community bidding software, a whole bunch of things, all of which have come to fruition. And I guess that's one of the reasons why Bill Gates is the world's wealthiest person. Now, my guest today has a very important message. He's a scientific specialist on mould. Now, before you say, oh, geez, why the fuck should I give a damn about mould? Well, let me tell you. Mould is the biggest problem facing marijuana production. That should be one enough reason, good enough reason. And more and more jurisdictions are getting serious about mould in marijuana and closing down farms with mould. Secondly, mould in your home or in your office can make all members of your family extremely ill and mould can also be fatal. Mould is a big, big, big business and my current house guest in Los Angeles is a guy named Ivan Noble and he's the global expert on getting rid of mould and bacteria and uh, he's the expert I'll speak to straight after this break. So I'll be back in a minute with Ivan Noble. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Radio Show. Over the last six or so years, we've given you insights into the lives of over 350 of the world's most interesting business people. We've spoken to them about what it is that they do how they got their first break, the challenges that they faced, how they overcame those challenges. And what we've tried to do is find out what it is that makes them tick. 
because it's really hard to be successful as an entrepreneur. Only about one or two percent succeed. So we all need all the help and advice that we can get from people that have gone before us that have been successful. And we need mentors, people that can help us not to make the mistakes that others have made. So the aim of this segment is to give you knowledge about a new subject and also to find out what fundamental issues that you'll face and how we can assist you to become more successful. Over the past 25 years, my guest Ivan Noble has specialised in taking conceptual ideas and turning them into commercial reality. And that's a huge step. So many entrepreneurs have a great product but have absolutely no bloody idea about how to make them commercially successful. Well, Ivor's skill sets include um, planning and strategizing business models, prototyping initial products, writing patents, branding and packaging, marketing and sales. He's an all-round package if you want to get your new project or product out into the marketplace. He's been a company spokesperson and uh, lots and lots of keynote presentations at major trade expos. He's also done a heap of television and radio interviews. Now, about 20 years ago, Ivor entered into the business of eliminating microbes such as molds, bacteria and viruses. And over this period, Ivor studied and experimented with the toxicity of mold and how it affects the body and minds of those who are exposed to its spores. He now represents an amazing technology that is made from completely organic products and has an amazing effect on moulds and bacteria. With the explosion of marijuana growth around America and in fact around the world and the development of medical marijuana, moulds also the biggest problem facing marijuana production and more and more jurisdictions are getting serious about closing down farms with mould and this can be unbelievably expensive for the farmer. Secondly, mould in your home can make all members of your family extremely ill and can actually also be fatal. Now mould is a big business. Ivor, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You are being heard all around the world. It's a big honor to be here, Bob. It's, uh, I love your show. It's one. It's so informative. And uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to be here. And as I travel around the world, more and more people seem to know about your show because I think you've got such amazing, rich content. Thanks, mate. So it's great let's, to be here. Let's hope we can make the next half hour rich. Um, <laughs> how did you become an entrepreneur? Well, um, I suppose I met the right person many years ago. Um, my father had businesses of, um, when we were growing up, but, um, you know, there's sometimes you meet someone in life that will just sort of guide you through things. And, uh, and then what I did, I fell in love with, the, with business because, um, uh, because of his sort of um, what he showed me and, and, and so on. So that's how it sort of started about maybe... 28 years ago, nearly 30 years ago, it started off um, from a meet, uh, perchance meeting of a really good individual. Yeah. Me their wing. yeah. Is it also because you'd 
you know, you find it hard to work with people. I, I find it difficult to take orders from people because I think most of them are more stupid than I am. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, some people just have a great deal of difficulty in working for a boss. You want to be well, able to run your own. Yeah, I, I have a philosophy on that. Don't find a job, find a customer. And, um, and it's easy when you know how. Uh, it's an easy formula once, you, once you've gone through it. And so um, working for a job, the J-O-B job means just over broke for the most part, <laughs> not in all cases. But as you say, and what it seems that in any, any sort of business and um, uh, company environment, there are always people trying to vivian for the top position. And it's quite uncomfortable because there's all these internal politics going on and, you know, just get on with it. Who's the boss? That's the question. We should, should we really have a boss? It's more so about a, uh, a team environment. Uh, we're all with the same objective. Then it's a different playing field. But uh, when you're working in normal sort of job environments, it can be quite difficult. So that's why I wanted um, business was always the key. Yeah. So what was your, when you decided that, okay, you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to go and find your own way, what was your, the earliest major challenge that you, um, that you faced? Because if, you, if you're an entrepreneur, you face challenges and big ones your whole life, no matter how good your product is. So what was your first big major challenge? Well, you know what I should have done in the beginning was listen to shows like yours um, because um, you can learn so much from people's mistakes, what people have done before and how they've done it and, and so on. When you're sort of in the wilderness and you've got no, um, in the early days, there was no things like Google. What did you do before Google? You used to have an old friend who knew a brother, who knew a cousin, who, who knew something about something. Yeah. And, and nowadays, all that information is more readily available, obviously. But um, in the early days, it wasn't the case. You'd have to do, how do you do your research and so on? So, um, yeah, um, it, it's something that, you know, it's about being inspired, I believe. It's about having this um, feeling that, you know, this, I can get this out into the market. This can do a lot of good for people and so on. And that's the very premise that I take in, in, in business is I don't look at um, competing against people. I look at competing, I look at try to strive for excellence. Where's the excellence in me here? How can we make this better? How can we make it more readily available, user-friendly, and so on and so on? And if we, the more that we observe what we're actually offering and the more that we're looking at what we're presenting to the world, uh, what our product or our service is, the, the better we can make it. We can always make something better. And that's what we really need to strive for yeah, in, in the business world. Okay, you are in the anti-mold business. Now, for the benefit of our listeners, why is it important to get rid of mold? Well, if the old adage is if you breathe in mold, you will feel old. And, uh, and there's nothing much uh, truer words, I suppose, because uh, a lot of Americans are more aware than the rest of the world about the dangers of mold. I have to say, there's a lot more in the news here and so on. But, uh, a lot of people still don't realize that mold in the Guinness Book of Records is the most toxic substance known to the human body. I agree that's a militarized mold, but, and it will knock you out within you know, a very short period of time. But nonetheless, nearly all molds 
have some level of toxicity to the human body, even though there's thousands of different types of molds. And some of them more uh, like black molds, such as the range of the Strachybotrys, like Strachybotrys niger or Strachybotrys chatham, are extremely toxic to the human body. And if you've got mold in your home or your air conditioner, or so where there's moisture, there's mold. And so nearly every air conditioning system in an office or home has some level of mold inside that we don't usually, we uh, sometimes are undetectable to the human senses, you could say. So the mold in air conditioning units, um, which could be in your home or in your work or even the air circulating in your car, is keeping us cooler but it could be killing us at the same time. So how do we know if I'm looking around, I'm in a pristine room at the moment and there's no black spots anywhere and I can't see anything floating around in the air. This looks like a, you could operate on somebody in here. How do I know if there's mould or if there isn't? Well, that's a really good question. And um, so the you can walk into a place like a five-star hotel or even a hospital or some uh, business that uh, looks looks really nice, beautiful decor, decor and all of that. But do we ever do, do, do we ever contemplate where the air that we're breathing is actually coming from? Now it comes through a series of ductings, uh, usually inside the roof space that's usually been there for quite some years. Now, if we took a micro, if we took a, a TV camera and we went inside the ducting. For the most part, you would be shocked and horrored to know what's actually in there. It's almost so thick sometimes you could think you could plant potatoes, and <laughs> humorously. Um, however, um, and if you look at most bu- uh, buildings or in, in a ducted air conditioning situation, um, there's a 90-10 rule. And the 90-10 rule is 90% recycled air, 10% fresh air. So for the most part, we're breathing everybody else's exhales and so on. So if um, somebody comes to work by public transport and catches a flu or whatever comes to work with a flu, it could pass to you um, all by going through the air conditioning system. Now, nearly all air conditioning systems have mold and bacteria in them because there's moisture there. And um, so it's very important that you have your uh, air conditioning system sanitized. Um, if you, especially if you've got a lot of staff members working in your premises, indeed. So the the mould, um, where does it originate from? How does it originate? The, these spores just appear out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, mould, mould, and fungi work hand in hand, and they and they're usually with moisture. So. Um, Say, uh, mold is nature's main destroyer of organic matter. So if you're walking in the forest one day and you see this just great giant log that's fallen over at some time, and you'll see green, it'll be covered in green fungi and molds. Now, their, their function in nature is breaking down that old tree into, back into the dust again. And so it eats the tree away. Now, mold... Um, is uh, our bodies are also organic matter, such as lung tissue. Now, if we're breathing in these spores that have the ability to break down a big old giant tree, um, then uh, it can also affect our health as well. 
breaking down our bodies. And so there's been many uh, reported cases where people have had severe and even uh, fatal instances. People have been exposed to mold spores. So mold is everywhere. It's all over the world. There's no room in this planet Earth that's completely mold-free, even the the strictest of uh, quarantined areas or whatever. Um, There's no room in this world that's completely mold-free at some levels because, see, the mold spores in the microns, and it's very small. If you're actually seeing visible mold on your wall or your ceiling in your bedroom, get out of there. You know, don't sleep in there because a lot of people don't realize that mold comes out uh, more prominently during a thing called dew point. Now, dew point is somewhere between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. You know when you walk across the grass early in the morning and you see your footprints with all the moisture on the grass? Yep. Like golfers and so on? Yeah. That's the dew point. And it always varies every single day. And uh, Melbourne and uh, Australia had a world record. Um, the dew point actually occurred at 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon which is it's very, very rare that that will ever occur. Somewhere between 1 and 5 a.m. in the morning, while we're usually while we're sleeping, or hopefully while we're sleeping, these mold spores will go, and they'll fire out like a Mount Vesuvius. Millions of spores go everywhere. We can't even see them with our own eyes because they're so small. And while we sleep, we breathe them into our lungs, and these spores start to attack our lung tissue and um, shortness of breath and so on. Well, one of the big... Um, sort of uh, 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 the primary indications that you're exposed to mold is is that you can sleep for like 12 hours and you wake up, you're still exhausted. Um, So um, uh, it can really affect the body dramatically and it goes on worse from there. It starts starts off making your body fatigued and then it breaks down your immune system and then it goes deeper and more and more and more. And then in the end, you know, um, you, 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 after a while, because a lot of people don't know why this is occurring to the bodies. And um, after a while, when they go away for a holiday for a few days and then come back to the house again or whatever, uh, that's when they start to notice, gee, there's something in this house that's making me really sick. And, um, and it can be, you know, it can be everywhere. You can stay in a five-star hotel. You can sit the best places, um, best, most beautiful hotels but they've got mold in their air conditioning system, it's harming you. So um, that's, why, that's why we're sort of really focused and really excited about this product from Australia. Um, so it's, so uh, mold attacks your lungs. Does it attack any yeah. other organs in the body? What about the brain? Because, you know, my brain's yeah, not absolutely. working too well these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're around a lot of mold spores, there's one thing you can almost guarantee, that your mental functioning will be greatly reduced. What I mean by that is that in some cases, now uh, I haven't read the full scientific report, but there was a statement saying that it was tested on a major corporate executive who lost 40 points of their IQ by being exposed to mold. And um, so I wouldn't have much left to spare, I'm afraid. So I'm (laughs) going to be mold free. But um, it can affect your brain, your functioning, your, your lethargic, um, nosebleeds, migraines, uh, you're allergic to foods that you're never allergic to before, um, your, your body just seems really old, your skin looks old, your hair looks all drab and so on. It's 
terrible um, to be exposed to mold spores. And I'm sure that there are the millions of your viewers around the world that a lot of people will be putting their hands up now saying, yeah, I was exposed to mold and this will happen to me because you, you hear it often. Yes, indeed. Okay, so let's talk about cannabis for a minute. Cannabis is an industry that has exploded across the world. Um, mm. In the United States, I think there's, you know, 14 or 16 states now where it's legal. Um, medical marijuana is legal in a lot more states. And cannabis gets an awful lot of mould. So the last thing you want, I guess, is um, medical cannabis that's um, <laughs> been exposed to mould. So how big an yeah. issue is it in the medical, in the cannabis industry, full stop? It's huge in this industry. And um, this is one of the reasons why we're putting a lot of focus into this market because we believe we can do a lot of good from this. And the reason is that uh, a laboratory, someone actually died from inhaling uh, uh, while consuming medicinal cannabis. They did an autopsy in the cellar and found out that he'd actually there was the mycotoxins from mold, the inhalation of mold. So if they put pesticides or, or fungicides to stop mold on these plants, um, then when the end consumer likes it or takes to consume it, um, there's a toxic effect and, the, and that gas is really deadly. So the government are introducing new legislations, uh, just about two is through Canada already, uh, amount, the amount of mold that can be present, which is, you know, almost next to none. And so I, a, a laboratory went around the top 20 producers in the United States. I'm not sure if they were exactly the top 20, but the significant producers and found that 90% of the product tested contained mold. Now, uh, that's been reported on the news. It's on YouTube and so on. Um, and the reason being is because, Bob, that when you're growing these, um, now in America, um, there, there's some states that you, that you mentioned before, there's some states in America, it's very difficult to rent a factory apart, uh, unit um, because they're full of medicinal cannabis. Right. Now, these places were never intended to be uh, a high humidity environment. So they've got these fans and air conditioning systems rigged up and so on. Now, the plant itself is, it has a high respiratory action. So it actually creates a lot of moisture in itself. They're grown under uh, these little miniature suns, a uh, big bright light, a 400-watt sort of high-pressure sodium light, them orange ones, and they have a lot of heat. And there's a reservoir that's feeding these plants with water, which with heat together with water, you're going to get humidity, and then you get mold growing from the humidity, and it can come like a thief in the night. Uh, one minute you've got a beautiful looking system, all scientific, and it looks great, and the next day you've got your hand, your, your, your heads in your hands going, oh no, I've just lost a, a fortune in dollars, because mold has taken hold, and it's blown out like a millions of spores from, you remember them old daffodils when you were young and used to yeah. blow them and make a wish? Yeah. That's what like a mold spore goes out like. It goes, it goes millions of them. And then they catch on to the stickiness of the plant. The cannabis plant can be quite sticky and, and, and so on. So these mold spores attach to it and then they start to just like, a, I think it's like a tree falling down in the bush and they just try to just 
destroy it. Right. And they decimate the whole crop. And one fellow lost over one point, I think it was $1.7 million, um, 25% of his crop, up in smoke, um, so uh, quite speak. literally. <laughs> yes, yeah, so to speak. <laughs> you have to stand well away. But because he had mold, and you see, so these farmers, these producers of medicinal cannabis, because there's such a, a glut in the marketplace that everybody seems to be producing now, the, the dollar values dropped means that they have to have very, very good practices to be able to compete in the, in the market now. And that's what we believe we can provide for these people. Um, okay. a, a, almost a mold-free environment when you're growing cannabis, which will allow them to maintain a safety, uh, one level of safety that can meet uh, certifications, to uh, maintain a efficacy standard. Because if there's mold present in any food or any, any substance, the efficacy of that product will greatly reduce, right. so we we can we can help with that. Okay, so let's let's we've talked about the problem. Let's talk about the solution. So, mm. <laughs> your your group has a product. Is it liquid or is it solid or what is it? What sort it of comes, it, it comes in various forms, but our our main number one sort of our main product is a is a gel form, a slow releasing gel. Now, um, uh, the product is all organic, as you mentioned. Um, it's made from completely certified organic ingredients, every ingredient. And then it's, it's distilled and uh, concentrated. Uh, and, but the main, the main genius behind the product is that um, it has a thing called an active. And the active is, now you can have all the same ingredients on the table and try to put them together like a cake full of a recipe. And you wouldn't get the active. It's the active that does the, does the wondrous work. And so uh, the chemist has done something pretty amazing over 12 years of experimenting. And uh, against mold, I, I can put my hand on my heart and say with uh, absolute assurance that I've never seen anything compare to the elimination of mold in this, this product. From okay, so, so I've got a house and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't see any mold. I don't know whether there's any in here or not. What do I need sure. to do? What what products have you got, or or how do you go about ridding my house of mold? Yeah, well, um, quite simply, um, you you need to use it with fan flow. So um, it needs to be in front of air. Like so, you have an oscillating fan. You just put a little ten dollar cartridge on the front of the fan and let it blow through your room and your bedroom. Do it before you go to bed you'll have a great night's sleep. And um, you can put them in your shoe cupboards. Uh, you can just point the fan towards it and it will eliminate mold organically without really doing anything. It's so simple. The alternative to that, you could also, if you had an air conditioning system, you could get a little $10, $20 cartridge and just put it inside the aircon and let it blow around uh, uh, through the vents and through the ducting. And you'll have a sun, uh, time after time, you'll have a sanitized, air conditioning system. Now, um, yeah, so that's how you would use it in your home. The cars get mold? Oh, yes. Cars get really moldy. And um, you'll, you'll notice between the summer and the winter when you turn your heater on for the first time, you seem to get a lot of sniffles. That's bacteria and molds building up on the filters. Now, uh, in the car, the recycled air comes from the passenger's feet. So you've got to make sure that your passengers in your car 
have uh, clean shoes. <laughs> Only joking. But you can. The, but the air, cars can harbor a lot of mold. It can blow right on your face. Now, um, and one of the things you were mentioning about your home, if you can't see any mold anywhere, how do you really know? Um, so you can get these little testers, and they can come. And you can do a test uh, situation. We sell them only for ten dollars. You can do one before and one after. And you walk around your home for about one minute, and and then you hermetically seal it, and you just stick it underneath your windowsill and leave it there for three days. Usually the incubation period is about three to four days, and um, and then you have a look at it, and you can be aghast and horror to see what's on these little testing things because they actually culture, they grow. So if there's mold in your home and you culture it for three, four days in these little medically sealed testers, um, you can see like it's growing a fur jacket and uh, with all the mold on there. And then that's what we're actually breathing. It's just that then spores have been allowed to incubate while the other ones have gone into your lungs. <laughs> and because I don't want to scare people. but <laughs> Because it's totally organic, it's not going to do you any harm, right? I can I can demold my house and walk around and breathe it and I'll be fine. Yes? No? Don't panic, it's organic. So that's the, that's the key. Um, that's, that's exactly correct. Um, the product is now being used in hospitals in Australia, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week uh, right, with patients. It's got a food grade certification which it can touch food partially and you can still consume the food. <clears throat> right. And so on. So, yeah. So that <laughs> that's a big help in hospitals <laughs> where the food's inedible whether it's got mould or not. Um, okay, so we... Um, so in, a, in an office or in a hospital, air conditioning would be the best way to get out, get through the building, wouldn't it? Because the air conditioning is going all the time. Well, um, in an office situation, well, there's one that comes to mind presently was in the CBD, the Central Business District of Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. There was approximately uh, 80 to 100 employees. We, we did the bacteria test, the air, the called air sampling tests prior to, and then we installed the product. And what we noticed was something quite remarkable. The absenteeisms of the business dropped from 22% down to 2%. And wow. that was directly in correlation with the microbial test results that we had. The bacteria count was very high. The absenteeism was very high. The bacteria count uh, uh, was lowered and the absenteeism was lowered from 22% down to 2%. Now, if you are a CFO of a major corporation and you're looking to minimize wastages in a business and a company. And I believe that you mentioned this once before, uh, Bob, you've been to so many conferences around the world and, no, and not many people have mentioned about um, cost effectiveness in this regards. Well, I've, I've, been, you know, I've been to literally thousands of conferences and I have never, ever once heard anybody talking about mold um, and the detriment that it causes to productivity, absenteeism, etc. It seems to me that you guys are pretty lousy at getting your message out because if you went to all the HR people, all the marketing people, the, the um, COOs, and you said, 
look, you know, you can improve your productivity by X and you can improve your absenteeism by Y um, and get higher productivity and da-da-da-da-da by getting rid of your mould and it's not that expensive to do. You've just got to realise it and do it, that you'd be inundated with work. So what's the problem? Yeah, well, <laughs> we have to agree with you, but we're getting better uh, getting our message out because we're on one of the best shows now. <laughs> so... Um, where um, hopefully we'll we'll address these issues very soon, but um, yeah, the, um, the the on the bean bean counting side of things of a business, the financial aspect. Yeah. Uh, a CFO, a good CFO knows uh, on any employee their function and how much that function costs down to the minute. Yeah. Down to if you move this box from here to there, they know the cost. Yeah. But no one, it seems to me that almost no one in this world. CFO wise has considered the amount of money being wasted through staff sick days and being the and not just the sick days where people take time off and don't uh, come uh, stay out of the office for a few days, but actually their productivity when they're actually in the office space. Now, if you've got mold in your air conditioning and it's blowing around all your employees, there's one thing that's absolutely categorically. Uh, 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 Correct is that your your staff members won't be functioning at optimal levels. Right. There's a brain fog. There's a miasma. There's a lethargicness to the to to the environment. Whereas if you clean, there's actually been a study done with this by PhDs in Europe, and they concluded that um, there was a 1.2 percent drop in efficiency by exposing people to mold spores in a working environment. Now. That 1.2%, how would you evaluate that? That would be very difficult. You'd have to work on humidity and de- de- on a daily basis and so many factors. But there is one thing's for sure. There's a direct correlation between high counts of microbes in an air conditioning system of an office block and people taking sick leave. Wow. And, and, and I think that's a very pertinent point that a lot of people in business really need to know. Because there's the, that's a one gaping wound that people have not addressed yet. And it's costing America, it's costing the world a fortune. It's almost unfathomable the amount of money being wasted because mold in people's air con. Ivor, I think that is a very informative and very timely interview. And I think um, everybody that's that's listening that is any in any position to um, reduce mould in their home or, or in their office or building should take notice of this. And, uh, and if anybody would like to know more, please contact me. Just send me an email, bob at bobpritchard.com or go to my website uh, www.bobpritchard.com and uh, get in touch with me and I'll pass that on to Ivor. Ivor, thanks very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You're welcome. If you breathe in mould, you will feel old. (laughs) Thanks, mate. (laughs) That explains a lot. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Network after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. Absolutely no bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Channel. And we are the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. And this week we're broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, right in the heart of Silicon Beach. Now, fired Google engineer James Damore did women in the technology industry a huge disservice for perpetuating gender stereotypes in his diatribe about supposed biological differences between men and women and how these differences may explain why we don't see equal representation of women in tech and leadership. Now, there's no research whatsoever that supports the idea that gender-based brain differences are behind the general gender disparity in tech. In reality, most of the first computer programmers and coders were women. In 1947, computer coders were generally women. The electronic digital computer was invented in about the mid-1940s, and between 1955 and 1970, about 35% of all computer programmers were women. During this period, if you were good at being a computer programmer, that was particularly empowering for women. A lot of the early computer programmers had degrees in mathematics, and there were a lot of women back then that had degrees in mathematics. So a number of women who came out of those early computing projects, military projects like the ENIAC and IBM, well, they all advanced really far in their field. So what changed? How did we get to a situation where the large majority of the technical jobs at a place like Google are now held by men? Well, it started when computer science programs developed at universities with um, four-year degrees as an entry-level requirement. And one of the earliest and top computer science programs was at Princeton. And they didn't admit women at all until 1969. So that put women at a considerable disadvantage. And a lot of the innovation in computing shifted from corporations to places like MIT and Stanford and their computer labs, and these places are almost exclusively male, making it very uncomfortable for women to be part of the scene. So in the early 1970s, computer hackers became celebrated as male heroes. Remember the 1983 movie War Games? Well, that reinforced this male hero um, feeling for a mainstream audience in the early 1980s is when female enrollment in computer science programs begins to decline and has continued to decline ever since. When you look at it, the college dropout who starts his own company and changes the world, that's a very heroic story, even if it's not accurate. You might remember the social network film well, that's not a good history of Facebook because Facebook had a lot of prominent women involved in those early days. But the story of a Harvard dropout who can't get a date, so he founds a multi-million dollar tech company to compensate, 
Well, that's a bloody good story that a hell of a lot of nerdy men can relate to. Now, the problem with women in tech right now, it's not that women aren't going into computing. It's just that they don't stay because it's largely an, an unpleasant environment to work in. Of course, if you look outside the United States, computer programming looks very different. In India, Malaysia, Europe, where educated young women do go into computing. Now, many people have heard about Grace Hopper or Ada Lovelace or the Hidden Figures women, but there are so many more. Betty Holberton goes on to head up computing at the US Census Bureau. Stephanie Shirley, who founded a software company devoted to hiring other women, is one of the first software billionaires. That's something you didn't know. Margaret Hamilton, a programmer at NASA, was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Barack Obama. Jean Samet is one of the key inventors of the programming language C-O-B-O-L, COBOL. And we're just beginning now to acknowledge the work that these women did. And hopefully, tech companies will be active in trying to reverse this trend. It's not before long. So do you get my 30-second read daily newsletter? We now have about 1.7 million daily subscribers and it takes just 30 seconds to read. And every day we tackle a new subject from advances in medicine to new apps to new technology, subjects like Hyperloop, autonomous cars, blockchain. It's free. This newsletter is free. It's about 500 words every day. And its information is invaluable. If you want to show your boss that you're really up to date with what's happening, 30 seconds a day will put you in a unique category. If you don't, if you don't get it, go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and enroll. You'll be glad you did, and if you don't, just unsubscribe. But I promise you, you'll be glad you did. That's why the number of subscribers increases daily. Now, this has been my 304th broadcast of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. So thanks for all your support over these six years and to the unbelievable members of Metal who have always been there for me. Remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and it's much, much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Any bastard can do the ordinary. It's better to aim for the stars and miss than it is to aim for the gutter and succeed. And if you're always trying to be normal, you'll never know how amazing you can be by being a little bit different. I hope you have a sensational week, and I hope you can join me again next Tuesday. In the meanwhile, please continue to be successful, work hard, because the alternative really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.